Today's episode of A Little Juju Podcast is sponsored by Be Magical Handmade. Ooh. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is all you need. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. A little juju. A little juju. A little juju is the way. It's how I start my day. Can't firm no say. And I'll never give play. I'll take your photo to the grave. But that ain't even my thing. I just stay at the crossroads, pray. I just pour a little honey from my face to make a stay. Cause I hate when bay leaves, but I manifest a little with my bay leaves. I'm my ancestors, baby. So I give them everything that they gave me. Yeah, so I can't be stopped. Manifested everything, give me props. I'm spiritually rounded while I'm on the top. Ooh, welcome to season two yeah season two of a little juju podcast the podcast all about black ass spirituality honoring the ancestors honoring ourselves and decolonizing our spiritual practices on our path to liberation and freedom i am your host juju i come to this podcast as a medium as a hoodoo practitioner as an orisha devotee and i don't know all around juju bay and i'm so happy to be back after my little hiatus which let me first apologize because on the last episode, I never said like I'm taking a month break or that I'm not going to be back until September. I feel like I just fell off. I made a announcement about it on Instagram, but that wasn't enough. You know, I should have said it on the podcast. And the reason that I didn't was because I actually was like, no, I'm just going to push through. Even though I have a lot going on in August, I'm going to push through. I'm going to keep just putting out episodes through all the stuff I got going on, which I'll tell y'all about in a little bit. Um, and so I, I actually genuinely thought I was going to be putting out episodes in August. And then I realized like, you know what, Sam, you're doing too much. Like you're trying to do too much. So I, I didn't put out any episodes in, yeah, in August. So I do want to apologize for not communicating that, but I'm so happy to be back. I've been thinking about the podcast, like, oh, I just can't wait to record. I have so much to say. So much has happened in a month. Oh gosh, so much has happened in a month. But yeah, I'm so happy to be back. Do we like the theme song or not? Like, <laughs> I'm just really feeling, I'm happy that I finished it. Finally, I went to the studio. Shout out to Max again, uh, who sent me that beat and, and helped me produce it. And ProRo, who also helped me produce it info in the show notes of course thank you to everyone who has played the song tag me in you listening to it if you're unaware the theme song to a little juju podcast was one that was not a full song it was just a theme song it used to cut out um, because I didn't write past you know theme song length but now it's a full version so thank you to everyone who's listened thank you to everyone who purchased on Bandcamp. uh this purchased the song for two dollars also like so much hearts and love and warmth, so much warmth in my heart. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, for folks who who purchased the song, because you didn't have to, it is free on SoundCloud. It's the the one 
the post right before this one. You can listen to the full version. So thank you, thank you. I also have the Bandcamp link if you want to support in the show notes, of course. But yeah, we're back, y'all. Like season two, I guess. This is season two of a little juju podcast. If you would like to keep the conversation going, if you're listening on social media, you want to see other people who are listening, you can do hashtag a little juju podcast or hashtag ALJ pod um, so that people know what you're doing, what you're listening to and helping spread the juju gospel. So much has happened in a month. Like I'm kind of tripping off of it. First of all, I'm looking at my notes right now and I'm just like Toni Morrison passing Toni Morrison Toni Morrison has joined the ancestral realm she was such an influential writer oh my gosh like I feel like words don't even describe what Toni Morrison was able to do and I know it's been a few weeks since she's passed now but like the way that her passing affected first of all me like I love Toni Morrison I've read Toni Morrison's works always appreciated her but when she passed it it felt like it hit me in a a spiritual way or I was impacted in a way that I was I would have never thought I would be impacted and I feel like a lot of people in community felt felt the type of way when she passed so just sending love and and light and ascendance to the highest parts of the heavens to Toni Morrison and just to kind of highlight something I said on Instagram I made a post about her you know some so many times people ask me about book references and what should I listen to what should I read about hoodoo I want to learn about hoodoo where are the resources and the resources honestly they're in your family they're in your family they're with the elders and they are in books but it's not necessarily going to be in books that are like this is a book about hoodoo it's just going to be in the books of our elders so when you read fiction or nonfiction, so when you read Toni Morrison there's so much rich black cultural information that we know hoodoo is just being black hoodoo is just blackness specifically in a black American context and also deep south so the hoodoo was all up in um, Beloved, you know, hoodoo was in, I haven't read Song of Solomon, but people are saying that, you know, the hoodoo is just in the text. Hoodoo was in the, the literature of our elders. There's so many references around herbs and just things that people were doing and believed. So, I, so like, I want to say, just read books from elders <laughs> and of, of black people. You will see the hoodoo there. So shout out to Toni Morrison and we thank you for your work Uh, we thank you for being such a champion for black people she showed us in a lot of ways that we can actually center each other and impact each other and that how we impact each other just touches the world whether we try to or not whether we're supposed to or not it just does so we can prioritize and center black folks and that's what I try to do with this podcast you know I'm always like I'm talking to black people I can't stop filter anything who listens to this who feels connected to this work because people gonna feel connected to the work regardless of whatever race it just is what it is just like we felt so many people felt connected to Toni Morrison's work but who was Toni Morrison talked to it was us it was black people and so yes we just I just praise her as an ancestor praise our elders and Big, big love and ascension and power to Toni Morrison. Um, What else has been happening? 
chicken sandwiches. <laughs> um, the chicken sandwich frenzy Popeyes came out with a chicken sandwich and that like took over the world for a moment. It took over the States, the American dialogue for a moment. And that's something I don't have anything impactful to say about that, but I hope y'all enjoyed the sandwiches. I tried the chicken sandwich from Popeyes. It was cool. It was cool. I know a lot of people don't like Chick-fil-A because of like the blatant homophobia and a whole bunch of other, like, I'm pretty sure they're like Trump supporters and shit. But you know, I still stand a good chicken, uh, Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich because that honey mustard be hitting and I put the honey mustard on it. Bomb. And so I feel like I like Chick-fil-A sandwich more just because it comes with that sauce. I get, I can get that sauce that I really like. But you know, I, I did appreciate Popeye's chicken sandwich because of the the crisp. The it was more like black people fried, and I did like a crunch. You know, we like a good crunch. So I did enjoy the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Now apparently it's sold out everywhere. So look at the power that we have over chicken sandwich. I just was so happy to see black people enjoying something and talking about something. It felt like Wakanda chicken sandwich version. And I stand, you know, I stand. And it also reminded us that we just create pop culture. Everything that we do, everything that we talk about is just deemed important because it just is. Whether it's a chicken sandwich or the state of the union, it doesn't matter. Because whatever we touch, it's just going to be popping. It's just like what we're going to focus on. So I stand, I live... And we love to see it. So shout out to <laughs> the whole chicken sandwich debate. Um, and yeah, I also moved to Baltimore, where I'm from. If you didn't know, I've been recording the podcast in Chicago. I was living there for four years. I moved to Chicago four years ago for graduate school for my um, PsyD, my doctorate of clinical psychology. And I dropped out a year and a half in and my ass stayed in Chicago, got a job, you know, did amazing work, got into community organizing, got into healing work amidst the community organizing for black folk, left that job and started doing spiritual work more intentionally and started to get more serious about the podcast, but also, you know, doing readings for folks, which I do, spiritual readings, ancestral readings. And so I'm very grateful to Chicago for that. I think I found myself in that city in a way that I did not plan or anticipate. And living in Chicago was hard. It was hard to find community for me or at least like feel. And it's not even it's not even like I didn't have people because I did have people and I had people I could reach out to. But it just didn't feel it didn't feel sustainable it didn't always feel like it was something that I could count on. And I did have people, like I did have like a few folks, it's like squad, yes. But for the most part, I kind of felt like I was floating and I had to f really figure out what I needed in Chicago. So I love it for that. I connected to my ancestors in Chicago. I started this work, this work, do doing this work seriously in Chicago in those moments of being alone, which is what I felt a lot being there but in that that loneliness in that alone time I had a lot of I had just had a lot of time to think I had a lot of time to process and I had a lot of time to listen to my ancestors so without that those four years in Chicago I don't know if I'd be doing this work so 
as much as I would throw little shade to the city, I love Chicago. I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone that I connected with there and excited to go back and see folks and still be a part of, you know, the communities that I was a part of. But also, like, I'm so happy to be home. I feel different being in Baltimore. Someone actually messaged me on Instagram and was like, your energy is different now that you've moved home. And I see it and feel it. So, like, congrats. And I was like, yes, thank you. Because I do feel different. Like, my people are here. My family is here. I've been able to go to, like, my niece's birthday parties and just engage in a way with my friends and family that I haven't been able to before. So I'm, I'm so proud of myself that I made that move to come back and also to do continue this intentional work but to involve family like I talk a lot about community and family and I have distanced myself from my family in many ways for many valid reasons and even from Baltimore because I just couldn't deal and it was easier for me to be away and not have to be almost not have to be accountable to people not to be And I have to feel like I have conversations with people. I don't have to talk about my life, but now I'm here. I'm going to be expected to like go to family things. I'm excited to go to family things, but I also now have to let people in. So that episode y'all been talking about, like coming out of the spiritual closet, that's probably going to happen now that I'm home and I have to come out of the spiritual closet because people are going to be asking me and have been asking me, what have you been doing? What are you doing? How are you living? And be like, I'm living off being a witch. (laughs) So I am... In transition right now, and it feels good. It's a lot, y'all, because you know the trauma that comes from being home sometimes. Like, I'm living with my parents right now. I'm in the process of moving out of here into my own place. But working on buying a house, but I'm not trying to jinx it or whatever. Um, But there's things that come with interacting with space, you know, interacting with home, interacting with where you grew up and physical spaces that you might have been hurt or felt upset like I'm in the midst of that right now so it is a lot it is a lot it's a lot but this healing shit it's worth it it's hard but there's blessings when you when you lean in y'all know I, I love to say leaning into things when you lean into it there's so much power and transformation that's possible so I'm feeling it I'm ready to be transformed for the work and I am So thank you to everyone for your just well wishes in my moving and just rocking with me and for allowing me to take a break. (laughs) Needed that. All you need is a little juju. So let's talk a little bit about donations. So as I'm on this journey, you know, I'm always just wanting to share and putting out this podcast because I think what I learn, I always want to share what I learn with you all from my elders, from people around me, from my ancestors. And so if you enjoy that, if you enjoy this work, It would be so wonderful if you could donate to a little juju podcast so that I can continue to do this work so that I can continue to talk and continue to put out this content, putting out a podcast ain't free. So there's a couple ways that you can donate. There's monetary ways and non-monetary ways. So the monetary ways I'd like to talk about first is through Patreon, which is a committed way to donate to the show i ask for three dollars a month it comes out of your account the first of every month through the site patreon and it's a more consistent way to 
give money to the show. $3 a month. You can give $3. You can give four, five, six, as much as you want or as little as you want. It can be as low as $1 a month. So whatever makes sense for you and your pockets, I love it and appreciate it. And I would also like to just shout out my new patrons since the last time we recorded. So big, big shout out to my new patrons. I would like to shout out Chelsea. Thank you for becoming a patron. Shout out Dawn Diaz. Thank you. I'd like to shout out Melanie Cooper, Erica Bailey, Tanya Hunter. Thank you for upping your pledge, Tanya. I appreciate that. Victoria Snowden, Morgan Udo, Taylor upped their pledge. Thank you so much, Taylor. Uh, Phoenix Ajay pledged. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yes, that is everyone's about to start repeating your names, of course. And uh, I love to just send love of money and abundance to the folks who commit to donating to me. You don't have to. And so this is a free work. And so anyone who sees some type of something that they're like, you know, I'm going to give money. I believe in what, what she's talking about, I think, a little bit. I appreciate that. I do not take it for granted. It matters. It means something. It helps me sustain just in my life. And so I... I I'm so grateful. I also just want to say grateful. I'm grateful to the people who continue to support and like lessen their, the amount that they were able to pledge at first. So for example, if someone pledged $5 a month, you know, they take it down to $3 a month. Like that is appreciated because you're like, you know what? I can't do $5 a month, but I can do three and I'm going to keep supporting. Like that is meaningful. And thank you. I'm sharing the energy of money back with you tenfold. Um, so that the money that you're donating to me may be flipped for you, you know, as you are a patron for this show and may the ancestors bless you with abundance. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that is the Patreon way to donate. Also, you can donate if you just want to do a little one time, uh, one time donation, however much you want. I got the cash app dollar sign. It's Juju Bay at T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E and also have a PayPal. So you can send money via the PayPal for a donation at thejujubay at gmail.com. And all of this will be in the show notes, of course. Now, if you like, I ain't got the bread, Juju, but I really want to, I want to donate. So many of y'all donate to me just by talking about the podcast um, on Twitter, on Instagram, tagging me when you're listening, putting it in your stories like, hey, there's this wonderful podcast, telling your friends, telling your mama, um, booking readings with me, another way to support. So grateful and the word of mouth about the readings in this work, just telling people about the work and the importance of the work is a donation. It matters and it also helps sustain me and helps sustain this podcast because if it wasn't nobody talking about it, if didn't nobody like it, I, my ass wouldn't be recording it because I'd be like, okay, clearly ain't nobody, this ain't important, but it, it clearly is. It's touching someone because y'all tell me that consistently. So that is another non-monetary way to donate. Don't forget to subscribe. That also helps. Writing reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform, Stitcher, whatever you're, wherever you're listening, liking on SoundCloud, five-star reviews on Apple, all of that gets the word out. All of that spreads the good juju gospel. And I just want to also say my appreciation and thank you to people who have done that consistently for me and been rocking with me for a minute. It does not go unnoticed. And big consensual hugs. All you need is a little juju. Okay, let's get into our first segment, which is heal yourself. And heal yourself is, it's more like yourself or yourself, 
but right now I just say yourself. I never say it like that. Anyway, heal yourself <laughs> is the segment where we talk about juju related tips and tricks to heal ourselves. So for heal yourself today, I want to talk about grief and grieving. And this actually just came to me. This was not the heal yourself that I had that I have in my notes. But I guess ancestors are like, talk about grief. So I'm like, okay. I think myself and also just a lot of people that I've been talking to and connecting with have been super vulnerable around their grieving right now. Like a lot of people, a lot of black folks are grieving. A lot of black folks are grieving their childhood. They're grieving home. They're grieving family. They're grieving friendships that they've lost just people that they've lost right now. I just feel that like there's this kind of collective energy of grief and not in a way that I think it feels sad, but just like a process of letting go. And people are grieving that, which is completely healthy. Also, I was reading, um, you know, about Virgo season, which we're in now. And a lot of that is sort of getting clarity on where you are, where you want to be and who and what can be involved as we kind of continue to level up in this season, as we continue to get clearer around our goals, around our rituals and practices and what makes sense to be a ritual and what does not. And in, in moments of grief and losing things and people and spaces and even our old selves, shedding old selves, it's hard. It's extremely difficult. And this kind of reminds me of a video that I saw on Alafia's page. We stand Alafia over here. Um, <laughs> and Ianifa, priest of Oshun, who was also interviewed on the podcast. Check it out. No Baba Laos in the DMs featuring Alafia. Alafia made this video on Instagram. This was a while back about like grieving and just ending cycles and how to step into new cycles and newness. And she was saying how she's got kind of gotten through grieving processes is actually having some type of ritual, like closure, like allowing herself to get closure, whether it's a person that is no longer in her life or just something ends, like there needs to be some type of burial. I mean, she didn't say that, but that's kind of what it makes me think about. Like when we lose a loved one, we have some type of death process. We have funerals, we have wakes, we get them cremated and throw it in like in the trees or plant it like you know <coughs> excuse me we have ritual to show that something has closed and something else is about to start so if you are in a process right now of grieving or letting something go fi- take some type of action or figure out some type of ritual for closure So if you just broke up with a partner, for example, I know a lot of times we're like closure means I have to keep talking to my ex a million times. (laughs) And it's like, wait, are you actually wanting closure or you just actually can't get over this person and you just want to keep talking about closure, but you really just want to keep talking to your person because you're not ready to let it go. Not that I'm talking about a ritual that you establish with yourself. Like maybe you take a picture of you and your ex and you go somewhere and you bury that picture in the ground and you have a ceremony like that, that's dead. This is over. Close. Like something has to happen to close it out. 
it feels like all of this is just like stream of consciousness right now. But I'm thinking about even in divination, you know, when I open up divination for people, I'm, I'm calling on their ancestors, I'm calling on their spirits, my spirits, we're all having our little conference call together, I'm giving you the tea. And then after every divination, I have to close it. I have to say, okay, now this is done. Thank you spirits for coming through, giving me the messages. And now I can move on to my next client or my day in my life. Blackness is about ritual. And it is about ceremony, not ain't got to be extra or deep, but we need ritual and we need structure and ceremony. So find something that helps you feel like, okay, I shed that part of myself. Even if you're like, okay, I'm going to work on being a better communicator. Like I've been a shitty communicator. And so I'm shedding shitty communicator. And now I'm embracing starting a new life as a better communicator. I'm starting that today. So have a ceremony. Even if it's just, you know, I'm a poor little libation or I'm gonna have some libation. I'm gonna have me a little drink to celebrate this newness that I'm stepping into. I'm trying to grieve um, letting a particular family member go. So I'm gonna close that by writing something down around, you know, all of the experiences that I had with this family member that were good and bad. And I'm gonna just let it be that. That's gonna be my closing. Let a ritual be unfollowing someone on social media. Let that be the close. Like something has to happen to where you're acknowledging and your body and brain understands that's actually done. And now there's opportunity for, there's space for something else. I hope I'm making sense because I feel like I'm just (laughs) rambling, but this is so stream of consciousness. Like this is not in my notes, but ritual, closing, ending ceremonies, to bring in new opportunity and experience. And so as we think about grief too, um, there are herbs for that. You know, there's there's ritual that can happen through spiritual bath. And so a great herb for grief and, and processing through grief and, and healing through grief is marjoram, M-A-R-J-O-R-A-M. This will be in the show notes, of course. That is a great grief herb. So if you feel like you are trying to get through something, do a nine day bath, boil that marjoram. You know, if you got some dried herb, you know, put it in the water or if you have fresh marjoram, make your spiritual bath, tear them leaves up, put it in your water and do a nine day, do a three day, do a one day. But let that be your ritual of closure. Some other, some other herbs that could help with this hyssop, of course, we, you know, we like to, I like to talk about hyssop a lot and hyssop is all actually, it's biblically, biblically referenced as a herb for, for cleansing. And, you know, we don't need the Bible or Christianity or Jesus to do hoodoo, but I think not. I think most hoodoo practitioners are Christian. Let's just put that out there. So biblically, you know, as our ancestors were practicing hoodoo, the, the, the Bible and Christianity was syncretized in many ways. And so hyssop is one of those herbs that's just like, go on Google hyssop Bible. It's going to come up so many times, but it's really a great herb. It's a great herb for cleansing, great herb for purification, and a great herb to kind of also wash away some like old stuff. So put you a bath together with some marjoram and some hyssop and do a little ritual with that. 
wash with that cleanse yourself with that cleanse your spirit with that um and then of course we can use rue which is good or we could use some angelica root angelica root is also a great great herb oh, i'm sorry root to use for protection you know as we are going through our grief journeys that we don't go back into some stuff we don't need to be in but we're protected from that so angelica root yeah so take a little note of that look it up see how you feel and get to it. angelica root is also really good for children protecting children blessing children um, angelica root has a i'm about to look it up right now actually it has a like biblical name it's like holy something i should know this holy ghost root <laughs> holy ghost root angelica root is holy ghost all of these these christian references it's just talking about the medicine though it's just talking about the medicine so yes another great root to use so start to you know get into your herbs and do your ceremonies and close out stuff okay i ain't gonna be the dead horse i'm just i just need to share that with y'all clearly ancestors wanted me to talk about these things so here we are <laughs> And that was heal yourself. All you need is a little juju. Now a message from our sponsor. We black conjure everything over here. Be magical, and that's magical M-A-G-I-C-K-A-L. Handmade is a black conjure-centered clothing line that pays homage to Zora, like Neil Hurston, Egun, Ancestors, Hi John, and all the other Juju Tings. Our t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, bags, and more are handmade and customizable. Be Magical is unisex, size inclusive, and black conjure woman owned. So head on over to etsy.com slash shop slash be magical, B-M-A-G-I-C-K-A-L, handmade today, and grab one of our black conjure teas today and for my listeners use the code jujubay for 15 percent off of your first order so y'all head on over to be magical handmade get your stuff all of this will be in the show notes and support black women conjurers and support clothes and articles of and items that are for us by us all you need is a little juju Alrighty, so let's get into our next segment, which is Juju for the Culture. And this is the segment where I just talk about what's going on in pop culture and my kind of Juju lens, you know, how I understand it, how I can talk about it in a spiritual way. <clears throat> and it generally tends to be about celebrities because I love a good celebrity tea. Y'all know I, be, I love celebrity tea. But this time, I'm actually talking a little bit... <sighs> Well, this does include celebrities, but this is this does include pop culture. Um, and this just kind of includes just all of us, you know, how this impacts all of us outside of celebritydom. So I want to talk about the Amazon, the fires and and everything. So for those who might not know, you know, I don't know. There has been a lot of conversation. Interestingly enough, as I'm recording this on September 1st, the conversations around the Amazon have not been popping anymore. That feels very like, you know, in the social media world, we're like, oh my God, look at this thing happening. We're all going to talk about it so much in a span of like a few days and then we're not going to talk about it anymore. That's kind of the energy I'm getting around the Amazon. Not to say that there's still not articles coming out, but the ways that people were talking about it a lot and it was in everyone's story and everyone was posting about it, I'm not seeing that as much anymore, which is fine. I'm not, no judgment. It's just kind of the social media thing. 
Um, so it feels like that's so last week. But but it's not so last week. <laughs> it's still this week. And it is something that is will be impactful for a very long time. So for again, for people who don't know, the Amazon is a rainforest. It is mostly located in Brazil, but it kind of spans across the Amazon basin of South America. And it is a lush rainforest. And within the recent weeks, there's been a lot of conversation around the burning of the Amazon and why the Amazon is burning. It's not because of climate change or global warming, but it is and has been burning because of cattle ranchers. And so those are folks working the land who are going to be raising cattle. And so people have seen the Amazon as a perfect space to raise cattle, to continue the consumption of beef and cows and and animals. And, And so that's the kind of prime time space. That's the real estate. People see the Amazon as real estate. That's where we're gonna have the cows so we can continue to produce meats and beefs because clearly people love beefs and meats. And I was reading that a lot of um, American beef is imported from Brazil. So Brazilian government was like, yo, we got space at the Amazon. We got to meet this need of beef from from people. So we got we need more cows. We need more space. And so cattle ranchers were literally burning down the Amazon to create more space for cows. And there's so much commentary, you know, uh, so many celebrities, so many people like, oh, my God, the Amazon, the Amazon, the Amazon. This is wild. Like. This is a big part of our oxygen supply. The Amazon has such a diverse amount of creatures that we need in this world. And y'all burning it down is messed up. Actually, there wasn't even that much conversation around burning it down except from the vegans, but I'm going to get into that. Okay. So what I want to say is that it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible and frightening that people continue to see nature for profit. Like land is literally seen as profit all the way around. Cattle ranch is not Amazon or not. People see land and have to pay for land. Land that was given to us that we were born into. Capitalism, white domination, consumerism, colonization all contributes to how we have, how we now view land as something that needs to be owned even down to buying a house that's a whole nother thing it's just weird how we own land like we we have to pay and own place so people think that they are in charge of land they see land they're like oh this is a perfect space this is real estate to meet a market a meat market and so the the fires that were being built i think they also just kind of went out of hand and it just spread and Amazon was burning. Now, I will say, after I was doing my own research, this is not the first time in history that the Amazon been burning. This is not even the worst of the burning that has happened in, in the happened in the Amazon. This is just a time where sometimes we pay attention to things and we notice things and we talk about it. So this is a moment where people notice it and are talking about it. It's not a new occurrence that people see the Amazon as real estate. I do want to uplift that, but that does not mean that it is okay 
even if it's not the biggest fires that have ever been set there, people notice now they're seeing it and there's an issue. I also want to say that um, where actually there should be a lot of concern and education and the same amount of hype is in the Congo. In central, you know, West Central Africa, the fires there are 10 times, and I'm not saying 10 times more as like a statistically correct number, but I'm saying that as the fires in the Congo right now are worse than the Amazon. And this isn't like an oppression Olympics kind of situation. They just are. So our conversations, if we are wanting to talk about like environmental things now more, like we need to be putting our eyes on what's happening in the Congo. What is happening? happening in Central Africa right now because the fires there are going off. And I think we can understand why we can make an assumption why people aren't talking about that, why news outlets aren't focusing on that, why we have so much focus on the Amazon, the Amazon fires, but not like where these fires are actually terrible in the Congo, in Africa. Because I think of, you know, people see Africa, Africa as a, as a continent has consistently been seen as a gold mine, as real estate, prime real estate, as resources to take um, and not replenish, uh, as a space to use, as a space to colonize, as a, a space to strip away. Just historically, we know that, obviously. Even beyond enslavement. So it doesn't surprise, and I don't think it, it's shocking that we are not having that conversation because a lot of times I think structurally, Africa as a continent is seen as, that's where well, that is just where we take. That's where we get resources. So yeah, it's burning, okay. Um, but I, I, I wanted to say that because it's like, yo, it's actually wild as hell over there. Like the deforestation in the Congo, you know, and in Angola, Dominican Republic of the Con- Dominican Republic of the- Republic of the Congo, not Dominican Republic. <sighs> Just continues, you know, the Congo is continuing to burn and the Amazon is definitely a lung. A lot of people have been saying like the Amazon is one of the lungs of the world. And uh, Maisha was actually saying on Facebook, like the Amazon is the left lung and the Congo is the right. Both are burning. The Congo is burning the fuck down. So I just felt like it was important to say that also because like a lot of our ancestors, black people in the States and beyond, that's just where I, what I know are from the Congo. Lots of Congo, lots of Congo ancestry here. Lots of our people were taken from the Congo. And I feel like it's a space that we don't really talk about a lot when I think, I think it's fair to say that majority of our enslaved ancestors came from the Congo. Yes, of course they came from Ghana. Some ships, towards the last leg of enslavement came from Nigeria um, and were Yoruba folks, but like a, a, 
a, a good hunk of our ancestors. If you're listening to this and you a black person in the States, your people, you got some Congo in there somewhere probably. That's just, I can't, this ain't science because, you know, we don't know exactly numbers, how much came. We can never count the millions and millions and millions of our ancestors' bodies that were kidnapped. But there is a fair hunk of them from the Congo. So it's like, wow, literally the land of our people are burning. The land of our people are burning. And what is our role in that? I've been thinking a lot about what my role is. I don't know. For now, I just feel like it's to talk about and at least create some kind of awareness. Um, and speaking of roles, this is another thing that was really grinding my gears when talking about the Amazon and, and deforestation. Baby, y'all vegans was popping off. <laughs> the vegans were going off. And I understand why. I mean, I see on a surface level People are cutting down trees and set, putting gasoline and lighting fires in the lush rainforest of the Amazon to create space for niggas to keep eating hamburgers. You know, like, so I get this immediate response of, so maybe if y'all niggas didn't eat hamburgers, like, they wouldn't be burning down the Amazon. I get that on the surface level. But that is not... <laughs> a full and complete assessment of the situation. Because regardless, if people choose to eat hamburgers or salads, governments all over this world will continue, especially those impacted by like colonization, will continue to see the land as profit. It doesn't matter if it's about hamburgers. It could be about quinoa. It is about quinoa. Because apparently now quinoa is being over-harvested and a lot of vegan practices, they are just completely extracting different parts of the land in unsustainable ways to meet the market of people eating quote-unquote healthier, eating vegan now. Slave labor has increased in various parts of the country to continue to um, work the land, to continue to over-harvest the land to get access to vegetarian vegetables quinoas and kales and avocados and shit so it does not it's not about meat it is not about meat it is not about hamburgers or chicken tenders it is about people will continue to extract the land period because it is seen as profit that is what colonization has done so to continue to demonize people for eating cheeseburgers as if cheeseburgers is the reason that people see the land as profit is absolutely ridiculous. That is not the reason. That is not, because it, it, it is about money. So we have to be very honest around deconstruction, deconstructing capitalism, deconstructing a system that sees every piece of land that we were born in that sees nature as real estate and something to be owned and something to over harvest and something to take from and never give back. That's not the way of the world. Some white people shit. So we have to stop blaming ourselves and blaming other people as individuals. This is a structural issue. This is a structural issue. 
it don't matter how many people donate to save the the Amazon. I'm not gonna say it doesn't matter. Like there are people on the front lines, um, indigenous folks who are and have been protecting this land for a very long time and are doing that fight. And what our responsibility is, is to support the folks on the ground, always. From the Amazon, also the folks on the ground in your neighborhood and in your city. And ask them and reach out to, around support and continuing education around what's happening. The issue, the, the thing is not stop eating cheeseburgers. And if you want to stop eating cheeseburgers, cool. But you not eating a cheeseburger is not going to structurally, structurally bring down capitalism. Because if everyone stopped eating cheeseburgers today, they would just, whatever the, so whatever else we're going to start eating, they're just going to use the land for that. Because they have been and they are. So I can't blame veganism for slavery. You know, people are literally being enslaved over avocados. But I can't say vegans are the reason for slavery. No, capitalism, consumerism, again. And our lack of connection to the land is the reason. And as we are talking about hmm, doing this work, connecting with indigenous spirituality, connecting with our ancestors, our ancestors are people of the land. Our ancestors are people who protect the land because we know that we, we couldn't be here without it. We know that the land gives us everything that we need. And so, quote unquote, environmentalism, quote unquote, is not, shouldn't even be a separate entity. It should be how we live. We should care about how we live, the land that we are on. That is a big part of doing this ancestral work too. Like I always say when I see people giving offerings to water or water spirits, because, you know, we do that. We live, for, water is everything. So we should be honoring water. But people give offerings to water spirits and go to the ocean and put their offerings in big plastic bags and lay like <laughs> and send it off like no <laughs> how do, how are we going to honor spirits of earth and nature and our ancestors and not take your offerings out of a plastic bag <laughs> just simple things like that we have to include that the last thing I want to say about this too is there's always, every time there's like some like nationwide cry of outrage and uproar, there's so much like posts on social media about like pray for whatever. It's always pray for something. Pray for the Amazon. Pray for, pray for Notre Dame. It's pray for everything. And I'm a prayer warrior, holy roller. So I, I'm going to pray. For sure. But I think it's been so consistent with when people read pray for, they get so annoyed. I used to be one of those people. Like pray for the Amazon. What's pray? We need to be taking action. Like pray. Y'all just talking about pray. That's all y'all want to do is pray. So I get that initial response too around. It's annoying to see just pray for, pray for, pray for because our people doing anything else. And faith without works is dead. We know that. You can't just pray for anything. You have to pray. So to change the energy and then you have to do action within that energetic change to get the result. So yes, we can't just pray. We can't just pray. We have to take action, of course. But prayer is an, is an action, y'all. It's okay to pray. I pray for everything. And prayers, people's prayers, I believe is what kind of started, rain came in the Amazon. People talked about the Amazon. It was on fire. Lots of folks were praying. People were working roots. The witches was out and rain came. And put some of the fires out. 
Mother Nature came and was like, let me just, let me just correct it. Through the prayers or mother's always going to do what she has to do to protect herself, always. But people did that work on the land to change shit. And a lot of that came from intention, manifestation, and prayer. So there's nothing wrong. And I think we have to stop shaming people for saying, pray for, pray for, pray for. Like prayer can be action. And there's really, really power. There's people who can speak power with prayer and consistently have spoken power through prayer. A lot of us, okay, we wouldn't even be alive if we didn't have a prayer over our head. If we didn't have somebody praying for us, praying us into existence, praying for our health, praying for our spirits. Like prayer is powerful. So we don't have to shame people for praying. We can take action in other ways. There's so there's so many tools that we have. And we can use all of them. And one of those tools can be prayer. And that's okay. Setting intention. That's okay. That's how we can change things too. Um, so yeah, I am done my rant. I just felt like it was important for me to address. Because it's this land crisis is serious and mother nature will take us out before we could ever take her out. I need y'all to know that <laughs> before the world would quote unquote ends, we, we would end. Okay. And mother would start herself over like nothing happened and wipe all our asses out. Okay. And be chilling. Rainforest be lush. All of it. Just start over. So let's not get that twisted. But we have to do our part. We have to do our part because it's part of us. It's not separate from anything that we're doing. It's not separate from our ancestors. Um, look at the time. It's 555 now. Hey, y'all. But yeah, I'm done. Just felt like I needed to say that. Juju for the culture. Take care of the land. Take care of the land. Take care of the land. You are part of the land. So take care of it. All you need is a little juju. Okay, so I wanted to talk a little bit about Walking the Dikenga 2019, which was an event put together by Mama Ru. We stand Mama Ru over here on this podcast. And also I've interviewed Mama Ru. Check out her interview. We'll put that in the show notes. And she's a hoodoo practitioner and all around juju woman. She's juju, juju mama. And in Chicago, she put together this event. It was a two-day event where we talked a lot about hoodoo, our ancestors, honoring our ancestors, and did healing work. And so I learned a lot from that space. And I'm not going to share everything that I learned because it was a private space and there are like private conversations happening and around around the work that happened there and the things that happened there but there are some things around roots and herbs and just the importance of things like this that I wanted to talk about so the first day we were in the woods um it was probably about 20 of us total and we were at the Dan Ryan Woods in Chicago and on day one we learned about spirits we learned about working with the land gathering plants and herbs that we need to heal you know feeling called by particular plants that we that we would pick uh, asking permission and that we would pick from from the woods and take with us and made healing waters and did all these wonderful things but she also gifted us all with a a root box and it came with a variety of different herbs and roots in it. And Mama Ru was just kind of going through like 
what all these herbs are, what they're for, how they've traditionally traditionally been used by our ancestors, um, how we could use them now. And just was really giving us some good hoodoo seed. And in one part of going through our little root boxes, we talked about high John. And I've I've done an episode on high John, but Mama really broke it down in a way that was so informative with receipts around the roots that we use for high john so for those who don't know first i would like to say you should listen to the high john is that nigga episode i will put that in the show notes too but high john is a spirit um, that protected our ancestors during enslavement period high john was a quote-unquote real person but there are also ancestors and spirits that kind of make up high john energy the energy of high john is one that is silly one that is cunning one that is able to kind of you know be slick and sly and kind of getting out of uncomfortable or even dangerous situations using humor to do that um kind of turning a situation a completely different way to where the other the opponent is confused and so that you're not being harmed anymore that's the energy and spirit of high john and so this and high john you know at one point he you know our ancestors called on the spirit of high john to protect them a lot of the times so or to get out of compromising situations but when enslavement ended you know technically as we understood chattel slavery when it ended high john was like look y'all Y'all might not, you know, enslavement is over. Slavery is over in the particular iteration. So I'm going back. I'm going back where I'm from. But if you need me, I'm still, you can call on me. You know, when y'all trying to get out of something, when you need to fight back, when you're trying to get, you know, fight through white supremacy, I got y'all. But now that enslavement is over, I'm going to go back. Y'all going to figure out what you're going to do next. I'm going to put my essence in this particular root. I'm going to put my essence in this root. So if you're trying to call on me, if you're trying to bring some success, you're trying to get through some stuff, just carry this root with you. Call me and I'll be back to help. So he left. And my Maru was telling us that story and, and then talking about the high John root itself is one that's called Jalapa. And jalapa is a root that is native to Mexico. It is not native to the States at all. So you might be wondering, well, how is jalapa the root that's getting sold as high John when that's not actually the root? That couldn't be the root because that root is not indigenous to the land that our ancestors were on to even work with high John or for him to go into that particular root. And so this is kind of talking a little bit about the, the, the marketeering of hoodoo that happened when folks saw that black people was looking for particular kind of roots, black people was working certain things and using, using oil lamps and, and picking things. I'm like, what are they doing? This is, they, they all talking about some, some stuff. Okay. Let's, let's find something. Let's, 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 uh, capitalize off this movement. Cause they talking about this hoodoo and this root work and this conjure. And so white folks, um, and specifically, a lot of of Jewish folks found a way to capitalize off of hoodoo. And we've talked about this before. And so uh, a route that was easily accept- accessible 
or that they could import and get uh, in large quantities was the jalapa root. And so then that became the root that we understand as high John. So if you're trying to buy some high John now, most likely you're getting jalapa root. But Mabaru was basically telling us her her theory, and I mean even beyond theory, because this is also what her ancestors have shown her, has showed her. The original root of High John, which could not have been Jalapa, she assessed after reading a bi- uh, Frederick Douglass's biography, was that this particular root is the root of the morning glory flower, indigenous to and that grows among along the east the East Coast especially. And the root itself is called Ipomia Pandorata. So that's I-P-O-M-E-A, I think Pandorata, P-A-N-D-A-R-A-T-A in the show notes, of course. And through the text and through oral tradition, folks say that high John root looks like a black man's balls, like that is part of the lore. And if you go to Google right now and look up Epomia Ponderata seed, it looks, it is a hairy, dark brown root. (laughs) And so, you know, that was confirmation. I mean, it's, it's a longer story, but basically that was confirmation that that has to have been the root that our ancestors were using that Frederick Douglass actually used too and wrote about having that root carrying it uh, in his right pocket as he was told to by a root man. I believe his name was Old Man Jenkins. Uh, told told Frederick Douglass to carry that particular root so that Massa wouldn't be whooping his ass as bad or that he could get out of the situation. Now, let me tell you, Massa did come try Frederick Douglass when he had that root. But the difference in this time, when Massa came to whoop his ass, he fought back. Frederick Douglass fought back. And he had that root. So that's that energy, that spirit of fighting back against white supremacy and, and the, the spirit of high John, which is kind of like that, that cunning nature that almost like kind of silly nature was. He whooped his ass. He whooped Massa, who was, who was, uh, or his overseer, who was an Irish, who was an Irish man. Uh, I forgot his name. Begins with a C. He whooped his ass so bad that the Irish overseer was like dang you whooped my ass (laughs) like there was this consistent like after Frederick Douglass whooped his ass he didn't mess with Frederick no more one but two he would come around Frederick and joke about how Frederick whooped his ass that one time like man you remember that time you whooped my ass that was crazy that's the spirit of high John and so Mama Rue was sharing that story with us and I'm like wow 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 and encourages us to find Epomia Ponderata if you can to really get that. Uh, maybe it'll be on eBay or Etsy or something like that, but you could really get the true high John. Obviously, we can use whatever we have. Our ancestors always have. So Jalapa, I carry high John on me. Lots of folks carry high John on them. Most of them are carrying Jalapa root. And when we have Jalapa root, we just take it and we pray over it. We call on high John, etc. But Mama Roo's understanding and explanation around that Ponderata, I was like, yes, that makes sense. Like, I felt it in my spirit. Like, yes, that is true. Yes, that is right. Morning glory flower. Specifically the purple ones and the white ones. So I wanted to share that um, 
What I also want to share about another root, um, there's a root called chewing John or low John. Now people tend to use high John to conquer root, the jalapa for everything. They talk about success. They talk about um, being able to get out of compromising positions. They also talk about um, sexuality, you know, increasing libido and sex. But they just use kind of that and talk about high John is just as one root, but there's different types of Johns. And so the, the, or court cases, they say successful court cases, but there's specific John. So that's high John. You can use the jalapa for all those things, but there's also a chewing John. There's a low John that's called Galangal root, G-A-L-A-N-G-A-L. That particular root was used by our ancestors for, um, court cases, they use that in court cases. If you in trouble with the law, they would get some chewing John. They would chew it in the court and they would actually spit in the courthouse. You know, people used to spit a lot more than they, they do now. And so my Marie was telling us, you chew that, chew that chewing John up, that low John, and they would spit it out in the courtroom and you chew it when the opponent is talking. You chew it when, um, like maybe the judge seems to be showing favor for the person that you're against in court or the opposition is talking. You chew that chewing John, you just spit. Now we can't spit so much in the court. Somebody going to look at you probably wild if you spit in the courtroom. (laughs) I don't advise that. But if you did have some chewing John and you are in court, you could like maybe do a little... a little bit so no one noticed it. You could have a little ball of paper that you like spit in and flick it in the courtroom. But ancestrally, this is how they were able to get out of compromising situations and dealing with the state. They chewed on, chewing John Low John, Galingo Root. So share that with the nigga in your life who's going through some stuff. Tell him chew some <laughs> tell him chew some chewing John in the courtroom. Now the third root I want to talk about is another John. It's called Southern John or Dixie John. I'm gonna call it Southern John. And this particular John root is for love. It is for um, relationship, you know, loving relationship, connection, you know, romance. And so people would use, she was telling us about this thing called a jack ball the jack ball is basically having a sack, creating some type of sack or container for all of those Johns. So you got your high John, you got your chewing John, and you got your, your Southern John. So you knocking out all the things. Our ancestors putting together jack balls because you, the high John, it helps you with dealing with um, success and getting out of certain situations and being able to fight back through white supremacy. So you got, boom, knock that out. Chewing John, help you get out of, deal with the court, deal with the state that's consistently trying to enslave us in a million uh, uh, in a million of ways so we got that and then boom we got our uh our southern john our, our dixie southern john which is for love and connection so that we can stay with our families that we can be connected to our partners that we can find love in our relationships even through all the bullshit that we experience so our ancestors were able to knock it out like look at that like you just hit on all of the things which is that those johns so I think I'm going to try to get my hands on. Apparently, Southern John is really difficult to get your hands on. Um, but look it up. See if you can maybe find it. You know, make yourself a little a little bag. Carry those things on you for your own protection and safety and love and, and 
yeah, all, all the things. Um, and then, yeah, there were just so many other herbs that we talked about, you know, angelica root, which I talked about before, and we had some hyssop and we had some five finger grass, which is good to obtain favors. Um, it was so many things in my, in my little root box, but yeah, so just a little, just a little, sharing a little tea, sharing a little tea from Walk of the Dekenga day one. Now day two was about honoring ancestors. It was about doing healing, ancestral healing and releasing some of the trauma that we all carry from our people because our people live traumatic lives. And there's so much intergenerationally that we, that moves through us in our DNA. This is science. So to move some of that turmoil and pain and emotional wounds, we have to like, we have to be, we have to create ritual and ritual and ceremony around that. So we did. And so we walked the Dikenga and I am not the expert on Congo culture by any means. And so this is going to be a very rudimentary explanation of the Dikenga. But basically the Dikenga is, it's a circle, you know, and it it starts off as a cross, like a, like a cross cross. And then a circle circled around that cross. And it is a way that our ancestors, this is, this is Congo. This is the Congo cosmology. This is how our Congo ancestors understood the the cycle of life, of life and death, sort of um, the connection of the spiritual realm and the physical realm. People divined using the Congo cosmogram, depending on where certain things fell. We're talking about your your current life. We're talking about your spirituality. We're talking about your, your past life. We're talking about your childhood here. Here we're talking about, so like there's a whole science around this, around the Dikenga. And it was something that was brought over to the States, you know, as our ancestors were transported from the Congo and kind of walking in this circular motion and praying or, um, yeah, praying, honoring spirit, shouting. That's what started the ring shout. The ring shout is, I haven't talked about the ring shout on the show, I'm not sure. But it's like when people, our ancestors will walk around in a circle and we clap our hands, we're singing songs, we're stomping, maybe shouting, don't have to shout to do the ring shout, but you're walking in a, I believe counterclockwise motion just in a circle. Very Southern. I don't know if folks, folks are probably still doing ring shouts, but it's very, very old school, very Southern, probably older black folks in old Southern churches might be doing ring shouts. But that's how our ancestors continued to pray, walking in that circle. They might have been praying to Jesus or whoever, but they were still walking in the shape of that cosmogram. You know, the 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 popularity of the cross itself. Sure, Christianity, yes, Jesus died on the cross. But also the cross is something that came from our people. That cosmogram is made up of the cross. The spiritual realm representing one half of the cross and the physical realm and how they meet representing the other half of the cross. So we walked the Dikanga. So we walked, we did a ring shout. You know, we, we, we praised our ancestors. We walked in the circle, you know, people stood in the middle and we prayed for them and we spoke life over them and we sang and we clapped and we, 
we shook tambourines and it was a very powerful experience and we did this by the water and the water is a space that our look when we talk about healing work when we talk about collective healing when we talk about community healing i believe that that will consistently happen at the water i feel like a lot of it needs to happen at the water the water is the home to many of our people whether they jumped off the boat uh, were thrown off the boat drowned we carry so much water energy water spirits i find black people are either obsessed with the water and love it or completely terrified i think that that's not for no reason but anywho i think that a lot of our collective healing we talk about healing as black folks that gotta happen at the water and so we were at the water we were walking the dekanga we were praying for each other and then we kind of did ritual around healing those traumas so you know picking up the water and putting it on different parts of our bodies, on the backs of our necks, you know, on our shoulders, on our belly buttons. Um, while Mama Ru just kind of said, and now we're cleansing this part of us, you know, that tends to hold this type of, of trauma. And y'all, I lost it. I lost it. I lost it. Spirit, I, I definitely, um, you know, it was a minor possession, but... It was just some healing that I that had to happen for me. And I just like started screaming bloody murder. Like I was screaming bloody murder. But it allowed me to just, I mean, spirit took over my body and all the spirits that walk with me. My ancestors had a moment to process and just leave all the shit at the water. Leave all the hurt and pain at the water. You know, because we called on them. We walked in the, we walked in the, we walked the Dekanga. And it triggered something, ancestral memory. And I was gone and so many people just broke down because we needed that. We needed that. And so walking the Dekenga is something that I want to continue. And, you know, sort of having Mama Ru basically sent out a call to action <laughs> for those of us who were in attendance to take it to our respective places, our respective cities. So now that I'm in Baltimore, I'm like, okay, there needs to be a walk in the Dekenga, Baltimore. Like, I don't, yeah, that, that has to be a thing. That has to be a thing that's organized. And so I'm really interested in that. You know, I'm not saying tomorrow or anything or that I need to be the quote unquote leader of this, but that's just like a charge. Um, also, let me not forget around this, this circular, uh, the importance of circle and cycle with black people. Now, when we think about being in church and people catch the Holy Ghost and when they run around the church, Mamaru was noticing that people would, you know, when they catch the Holy Spirit, they just run around the church, you know, in a circle, generally starting counterclockwise. And so people don't even think of that as a way that we are still so deeply connected to our ancestral practices, like ring shouts, walking the Dekanga, running around the church in a circular motion. Like our... What we do culturally as black folks has not changed. We may have given it new faces and attributed it to different entities or spirits, gods, but we still are doing the same thing. We are still getting possessed. We just might not have someone to interpret what spirit is saying, but we're still speaking in tongues. We're still very spiritual people. We're still running in a potentially counterclockwise motion. We're still walking the Dekanga. You know, we're still doing ring shouts. We're still creating ritual and ceremony. 
and uh, we're still laughing at <laughs> we're still somehow you know black twitter feels like the energy of high john in a lot of ways you know black twitter is consistently poking fun at and critiquing and fighting back you know white supremacy and white domination and that's so high john you know that's so issue so like we are consistently and continuously engaging in this work whether we call it that or not which is why like my big thing with this podcast is like you are already doing who do i promise you are already doing it the things that you have just not even thought twice about i bet you it has something to do with um your inherent africanness and your inherent blackness and the things that our ancestors brought with us not even just from the continent but like created here too in the states and all of it matters and all of it is important on this, you know, freedom journey. So you can have all the books, all the resources, all the what is who do, and you can get Mojo working an excellent book. You can get working the roots, an excellent book. You can get Jambalaya. But I guarantee you already doing it. Can't nobody, I'm not gonna say can't nobody teach you hoodoo because they can, quote unquote. But the hoodoo already you. It's just what black people, when you think about the blackest shit ever, that's the hoodoo. Like, that just feels real black. Yep, because that's hoodoo. Like, collard greens. Collard greens just feels black. It is just real black. Collard greens represent wealth for our people. People was cooking collard greens to be able to uh, bring wealth into the home. Black eyed peas. Black. But... We use black eyed peas for luck and prosperity for a reason. It's the hoodoo shit. So, yeah, I feel, this feels very full circle. So that's why a little bit earlier when I was talking about, you know, reading Toni Morrison, just reading our elders, reading Octavia Butler, reading Zora Neale Hurston, reading the fiction and the nonfiction, because all of that, if it's coming from my black elders, it's closer to some hoodoo shit. And we can take that and learn from that and learn about the roots and learn what people were doing and saying and why. And if you swept over somebody's feet while you were spit on a broom, like just things, just things. And, you know, last thing I'll say about this, I was talking to a friend yesterday. Hi, boo. Hi, Satara. And talking about how, like, we are reclaiming conjure we are reclaiming hoodoo as a practice and saying like it does not have to be steeped into christianity it doesn't have to be but if we ignore the very real christian influences of a lot of our practices we're not doing a service it's a full story it's a full story people were conjuring people were conjuring before christianity people were using herbs and roots and all of that shit and manifesting and repelling and protecting through word and prayer before Christianity. And then even after Christianity, even after colonization, our people found a way to use the Bible. Our people found a way to use the prayers, to use Psalms, to use um, the church as a space to continue to organize for black liberation, uh, to continue to, as, as a tool, just as a tool. And that is just, that's just the tea. So this isn't like, 
I'm not a Christian person, but do I respect how our ancestors used Christianity to be able to make me who I am today and have me here? Absolutely. Because there's so much hoodoo. There's so much hoodoo in the church. Like I said before, most hoodoo practitioners are in the church. They're the church mothers (laughs) and the elders. And they're the ones anointing you with olive oil, just olive oil. And saying, oh, baby, you need to be healed. Let me get this olive oil that I done prayed over. That's it. So they there. So don't turn your back or think that because someone might be Christian that they don't have nothing to add. I know a lot of us were like, my family's Christian. They don't talk about none of that. But the the, the Christians is where the people practicing hoodoo. So they probably know some stuff, especially if you got some Southern folk. They might not be, they might not call it hoodoo. They're not going to call it juju. They would never call it that. They're not going to like you, you know, talking about magic and manifesting and summoning, but they're going to put some olive oil on your head to bless you. Yes. Are they going to catch spirit and speak in tongues? Yes. Are they going to throw a white sheet over you when you fall out in the church? Yes. So remember that too. The hoodoo is everywhere. And where the black people are is where the hoodoo is. So black people be in a black church. So there's hoodoo there. And outside of it. And it can exist outside of it, which is also super important. And don't believe anyone that says like hoodoo has to be, you have to be Christian to be hoodoo or you have to be in church. That's not true. And most hoodoo practitioners are Christian. (laughs) Also true for the reasons that we know historically um so yeah i hope that was succinct <laughs> i would love to bring walking the Dekanga to baltimore and connect with other spiritualists here um you know and, and talking through organizing the space at some point you know I think we just have a good thing. I think Mama Rue, again, shout out, big shout out to Mama Rue for this conversation, for this work. And now it's time for us to continue it in whatever ways that we can. You know, creating little circles just with our community where we live. And I know it can be hard to find community. Pray for your ancestors. You'll find the people. But yeah, I just, I thought it was important for me to talk about that um, on the podcast. So, ooh, let me share a quick story. I just thought about this. So my great aunt is 90. And is she older than 90? No, she's 90. And she's on Facebook. My Aunt Myrtle, I've talked about Aunt Myrtle on here. Aunt Myrtle's on Facebook, Aunt Myrtle FaceTimes, Aunt Myrtle texts, Aunt Myrtle's on Skype, Aunt Myrtle is goals. So I made a status on my personal Facebook about being a medium and, you know, this work and what type of medium I am and whatever. Child, Aunt Myrtle saw that post and commented and said, um, call me about this. <laughs> She said something like, interesting, call me about this. And then she FaceTimes me like five minutes after. I'm like, okay. So I answer like, hey, I'm Myrtle. She's like, yeah, so 
Hi, Samantha. You know, what What? What you talk about on Facebook? He says, it's a what medium? You're a medium. Like, t- what is that? And I was like, okay. Coming out the spiritual closet to my 90-year-old auntie. All right. But Amardo's cool, though. So, like, I wasn't nervous. She's the cool great aunt, the one that has talked about ancestors and stuff and libations and always kind of brought that up. So, I was like, yeah. but also very, very Christian. Very, 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 loves Jesus, loves the Lord. So, I'm telling her, like, yeah, um, I talk to dead people and people know I talk to dead people and they come to me so I can talk to their dead people. <laughs> And deliver any messages from the dead. And yeah, that's what it is. And I was just kind of talking about my process with that. And she's like, wow, that's so interesting. I love that. She was like, you know, when I was little, I used to talk to dead people too. I mean, I still do, but I used to see them. And I told God to take away my gift because it was too scary. I used to see spirits all the time and I was scared. And I prayed. I said, please, please, please take this gift away. And he took it away. And he, she was like, you know, I, if I had the gift now, I know I'd be able to handle it. But I couldn't handle it then. And so I wonder what would have happened if, I asked, if he didn't take them away. And she's like, but I always talk to my mother, your great-grandmother. She always talks to me. I talk to Theodore, which is her husband that passed, Uncle Theodore. I talk to theater all the time and I hear them too. And sometimes I, you know, I know things about people and that they don't tell me and people come to me about that too, but I never called it a medium. I just, you know, I just was talking, but yeah, we've always done that. You know, we're very spiritual people. We're black people and we've always been traditionally connected to dead. And then she started going on about, I have a very small amount of native American ancestry, allegedly allegedly so she's like you have black ancestry and you know your native ancestry these are very spiritual people these are people that connect to dad these are people that know that like spirits is are important and so it's wonderful that you are embracing your gift this is what you're supposed to be doing this is what god put you here to do and i was like oh okay and it was so and and this happened before walking the dikenga this happened, I got to walk in the Dikenga a little bit early before everyone else got there. And I was on FaceTime with my aunt, sitting at the water, having this conversation about that is clearly what God put you here to do. So I'm happy for you. Keep doing it. I was too afraid to do it. Baby, I'm talking, the elders, y'all. I'm going to have to have a podcast episode with Aunt Myrtle. Because these elders be coming through saying shit you don't expect. I didn't expect that. And I, I've said before in the podcast before. My grandma said the same. Very Christian woman. Loves the Lord. Goes to church all the time. Is one of the church elders. One of the mothers. Same response. She was like, yeah, uh-huh. It's a God-given gift. You come from people who can see things before they happen. Now, we ain't calling all the shit you, t- <laughs> you talk about, but Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh, for sure. You come from dreamers. You come from people who will get information through dreams and who have prophetic dreams. So just the consistent, like, elder confirmation of my work is super powerful. And so, like, I know it can be difficult, but, like, talk to old people. <laughs> talk to old people. They got tea. They can be problematic or whatever. You take the church. You take the good. You leave the stuff you don't need. 
but they got some stuff to say and deserve our attention because you know the west has taught us that we don't give a fuck about old people i didn't like old people for a really long time (laughs) i did not yo like i was like what is the purpose just terrible now i'm like oh my god elders are everything you know not all elders you know but elders be having shit there's something that comes with living on this earth for a long time something that we shouldn't be afraid to tap into to learn even if they're saying some wild stuff it's like okay i know not to do that but i wouldn't have known if i ain't told to you <laughs> so um I, yeah i just wanted to share that story i hope that wasn't like super off topic but yeah anyway let me close the show y'all because i'm sitting here just with stream of consciousness to go blah and blah 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 blah, blah. but it's because i haven't talked to y'all in so long i don't missed you i've had so many things on my mind i know even after i edit this i'm like damn i ain't talk about this one thing but we're back y'all every two weeks so i'm excited i'm excited to be back i'm excited to process these things out loud and for your feedback and and all of the things so thank you for tuning in to another episode of a little juju podcast and if this was your first episode welcome have a seat going back to the first episode and meet us here every two weeks um oh shoot i also forgot to say i'm now offering reiki (laughs) like i'm offering a reiki service Uh, reiki is a traditional healing method that it's native to Japanese culture. However, black folks and people have always been doing energy work and healing work, but I was attuned in Reiki and it's a great, it's a great resource to use. So I am offering long distance Reiki. If you want to go on my site, you can book that. I will send you the Reiki and then I'll also send you a write-up if any messages from spirit came up, but you can, you can see all of that on my website. So you can check me out on the website. You can book a reading with me. Uh, you can hit me up around any inquiries. If you're trying to flew me out, you know, to your school for a panel. Girl, I just want to be on a panel. <laughs> like, I love panels. Um, if you want to reach out to me about sponsorship, you can go to my website. It's jujubay.com and go to contact. Or you can send me an email at thejujubay at gmail.com. If you're trying to hit me up on the social medias, you can find me on Instagram at it's jujubay. Twitter, it's jujubay. I am jujubay on Facebook. And oh, on Instagram, I'm also a little juju podcast. So I will have all of my social media things in the show notes. And check out Be Magical Handmade. Get your 15% off of your juju gear. Support Black Conjure Women. And I hope y'all have a good rest of your day. Thank you for listening. And remember, all you need is a little juju. Later, y'all.